I've got another quick question, Rich. Rich, we haven't no, worked no. out a little secret signal here. Yeah, it's, I know we should do. We should do what we did in the PHC, where we put the hands up. Is there? There we are. Well, maybe I can do that moving forward. I'll put, I'll put my hand up. Oh goodness! <laughs> so, so can I ask a question? Yeah, I, I've got a list as long as my arm. But look, you, you fire away. Uh, we've got we've got Doctor Chafee for another uh, two more two, hours. Two hours. Yeah. yeah, the poor. Guy, he's got put up with <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Uh, <laughs> right, um, a very simple one. Rebecca has given me a novel to read, and I have uh, basically diluted it down to. Um, do you think that decaf coffee is as bad as coffee in terms of inflammation and uh, those sort of things? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, I mean, we, we always focus on, um, on caffeine, you know, because that's, you know, the thing in coffee, oh, caffeine, caffeine is a drug and it's addictive and it's a neurotoxin and it's an insecticide. All those things are true. That is one of 150,000 chemicals that exist in, in uh, coffee, right? And the coffee is a bean, a bean is a seed, a seed is a plant's baby and, and organisms protect their babies more than anything. And this is where you'll generally find the highest concentration of different sort of toxic chemicals. So, and, and caffeine is one of them. Caffeine is a neurotoxin. Toxin. It was developed as an insecticide. This this fries the brains of uh, unwitting insects that try to eat that leaf or that bean or that seed. So it's um, has a different response in us. We're much bigger animals, but uh, you know I know people that have uh, fixed their epilepsy with a carnivore diet, and then they have uh, uh, caffeine or coffee, and and, they, and then they've had a seizure as a result of that. So you know that's why I refer to it as as a, a neurotoxin. You know because it's it's affecting your brain. So this is a toxin. Is as as clinically defined, you know, by you know Oxford Dictionary, and uh, and is affecting your brain. So that's a neurotoxin, right? Um, but there are a lot of other things that that cause problems as well. And so uh, people just go, "Oh, I'm just drinking decaf." Right? Why are you drinking it at all? Then you know, you just want the horrible flavor, you know? like yeah. So um, you know, you want the caffeine, but you're just drinking the the garbage that comes with it, you know. I mean, that, that's sort of that's sort of backwards. So what I suggest to people is actually doing it the other way around, which is, you know, getting a bottle of like no dose or caffeine pills and having one or half or a quarter of that to give you that caffeine hit that you're looking for and uh, and give you a bit of energy spike that you want and not bringing on the 150,000 other chemicals as well. And um, this is something people people will see, you know, they don't you know, you don't get sore on carnivore. And so, oh, well, I still get sore. Do you drink coffee? Yes, I do. Well, there you go. Oh, that doesn't cause it. Stop drinking coffee and find out, you know, and, um, you know, I, I drank coffee. Uh, once I tried it out, I was sore for two days after that. I wasn't sore before that. I, uh, you know, I, I went, uh, lifted weights with, uh, um, a surgeon, surgical colleague of mine. And, um, you know, and, and he, like, I put him through my workout and like, maybe because he was doing carnivore. So I was like pushing him through my thing. He's like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to really go too, too hard because I don't want to be sore. Uh, you know, because I'm operating tomorrow. I'm like, well, you know, you won't be sore if you've actually been strict. If you've only been eating meat and water, you won't be sore. And he's just like looking at me all scants, but, um, he's like, well, I'm really, so he ended up doing it. And he's like, mm, I'm really interested to see if you're, if you're right. I, I don't know about this. I, I'm, I'm interested to see if you're right. And I just looked at him and I was like, yeah, I'm, 
interested to see if you've actually been strict, you know? And uh, so he was like, mm, okay. Next day he wasn't sore and he was pissed. He said, he's just like, he's like, I really wanted you to be wrong. I really wanted to wake up this morning and be sore and be like, Hey, you let me wrong. All this sort of stuff. He's like, but I'm not, I'm not. I just, you were right. This is crazy. I should be sore right now. And I, you know, I pushed him, you know, we were there for like two hours and you know, we, we did a lot of work and, um, and, uh, and then sort of in the middle of the day where everyone's sort of hanging out in the break room and some of the, the reps came and bought everyone coffee, obviously, uh, declined. And, um, but he, you know, he got one and, uh, you know, didn't say anything. And, uh, and then all of a sudden he, you know, sort of, you know, 20 minutes later, he's just like, well, do you know, actually, you know, actually I am a bit sore. Actually, I'm, I'm feeling a bit sore. I'm starting to get sore. And I just pointed at the coffee cup in front of him and said, what's that? And he was just like, Damn it. You know, so it does, you know, it does affect you. It does cause inflammation and, um, and it, it objectively has these different uh, chemical compounds in them that we avoid other plants for having. And yet we say it's okay in coffee somehow. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, if we're going to avoid it in other plants, you know, we're not going to eat other plants because they contain these, these, uh, compounds, you know, why, why are we making an exception for coffee? Well, it's a drug and it's, and it has caffeine. Fine. Take the caffeine, you know, and just skip the rest of the crap. It may be, it may be also because it's a liquid version of a plant and it's just so different that people just don't make that connection. I've got a great question that ties onto this, um, because, Anthony are talking about real world experience and th- and this is one thing about carnivore um, social situations, working long hours I'm new to carnivore, how do I know if I actually need to eat because I work long hours and I feel I'm ruled by the clock and uh, mm. Anthony at the beginning bit Richard and I were just talking about when we were high carb thinking of a 24 hour live stream we would be like right I've got to eat at 10 I've got to eat at 3, I've got to eat at 7 and so we totally get what you're saying so what's what's your views Anthony on that yeah. So, uh, well, if you, you need to eat when you need to eat, you know, so, you know, the, the best thing about, about carnivore is that you don't need to eat. Uh, you feel great. You know, you, if you're eating high density nutrition, you don't need to eat as much or as often. And so most people find that they, they eat just once a day or maybe twice a day. And that's not intentional. That's not doing intermittent fasting or OMAD be, for the sake of doing OMAD because you don't get any other physiological benefits. As Richard uh, said earlier, you know, you get all those benefits from just having low insulin basically and just not putting that garbage in your body. So, you know, the benefits of fasting um, in general are that you're not eating stupid crap and your body can just, just be, you know? And so if you're just eating meat, you're not eating stupid crap and the same, same results happen. And in fact, you get better results because you're actually getting nutrition and there are some improvements on um, the fasting mimicking diets, which is just ketogenic diet, high in meat and fat and, uh, and fasting actually, you, you don't have the same side effects. Like some people will lose their hair or you know, at least temporarily when they're, they're doing longer term fasts. You don't see that when you're doing keto or at least having a hundred grams of protein a day. Um, so there are benefits of actually uh, consuming nutrition as you may expect. Um, as far as uh, working long hours, you know, are, are you feeling bad? Are you feeling sick? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling off? You know, those could be signs that you're hungry. Um, your hunger signals are going to change on a, on a carnivore 
carnivore diet. It's very easy to under eat. I mean, I didn't, when I was in my early twenties, I, I wouldn't eat for like three, four days straight because I'm like, I am just not hungry. And I didn't have time either, you know, because I was, I was up, you know, first thing in the morning, I was off to, to school at uh, um, university. I was going to university of Washington at the time. And, uh, and then directly after class, I go straight to uh, my university rugby team. And as soon as I finished that, I go directly to uh, my men's premiership team that I played for as well. And I'd get home and then, I, you know, I'd go to the gym and lift weights sometimes as well. And so I'd be home at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And I basically need to like read a chapter of OCHEM and then go to bed, you know? And, uh, and so I was just like, well, don't really have time to eat. Just to drink a bunch of water and study and go to bed. And it would be days. It would be days. And then all of a sudden I'd have, I'd be home at, you know, seven instead of 11 and be like, Oh, Hey, I've got time to eat. Now I should probably eat because I haven't eaten yesterday and I didn't eat the day before. Did I eat the day before? I'm like, Jesus. Okay. I, I need to eat, but I didn't feel like I needed to eat because I didn't feel like I was hungry in, in how I used to feel hungry. Um, but I was definitely hungry. Now I can, now I know my, my hunger signals. You have to relearn your hunger signals. So try to eat once a day. If you don't feel you need to eat, if you don't feel you're tired and out of it, don't eat. If you are feeling a bit tired, if you are feeling a bit out of it, if you are getting like carb cravings, bread smells really good. Ask yourself, is this what hunger feels like? Try eating some meat. If it tastes good, keep eating it. You know, keep eating it until it stops tasting good. If you're eating during the day and you eat until you're full, you can get a bit lethargic naturally. You just go into a rest and digest mode. You know, a lot of your blood goes to your digestive tract as opposed to your brain and your muscles and you'll just get naturally tired. Um, so, you know, I, that's why I tend to eat my big meal at the end of the day. And, um, and if you do that, you'll generally find that you don't need to eat during the day. If you're working out a lot and pushing yourself and you're already at a lean body mass, then, uh, then you might, you might have to eat twice a day. You may not be able to get enough in one sitting. Um, so, you know, you just have to listen to your body. You have to relearn your hunger signals. And, um, and I think a big part of that is just well, going by how you feel, um, getting cravings and then just how meat tastes. If it tastes good, you're hungry. If a steak doesn't taste good. You're not hungry. I don't care who you are. And, um, and I would just go by that. If you're, if you're going throughout your whole work day and you feel fine, you're fine. You know, just make sure you get enough after you're done with your work day. Rich, <laughs> did you want to add anything to that? No, I agree with everything. Um, just to circle back to one of the points we made to the coffee in, in the previous comment, uh, a compound called acrylamide, which is created during the roasting, pro- roasting process, is responsible for a lot of the inflammation in coffee. Um, so, yeah, acrylamide, which is a, a known carcinogen as well, so uh, and another reason to avoid decaf coffee. Uh, in regards to eating windows and things, yeah, I, I do it intuitively. Um, I think goals are, are important. Uh, a lot of people get stuck into the circadian rhythm, so they eat at specific times of the day. Um, the issue with this is that the body will release ghrelin uh, about 10 to 15 minutes prior to your usual mealtime um, so you'll find that you may feel hungry coming towards a standard mealtime. So the, the way to, to address this, if you want to break that habit, is to change up your mealtimes. You could move your mealtime forward by an hour and then the next day move it back by an hour. Uh, and your body begins to trick ghrelin. Ghrelin stops being released, and then you find that these these fake hunger signals tend to go away. Uh, and then you can eat intuitively. Uh, and as Dr. Chapey says, you know, eat when you're hungry. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Uh, coming back to the lean body mass thing, even uh, someone with a six percent body fat still carries around 150,000 kilojoules of energy as stored body fat. So you're not going to starve. 
Uh, you're not going to go hungry. Um, you know, we can go a long period of time without consuming food, but it is best to do it intuitively. Uh, I do, uh, as Anthony just alluded to there, uh, something that goes against the grain, um, you know, quite literally what we do uh, against the grain. But I eat not long before bed. Um well, coming back to a convo that um, Dr. Chapey and I had in a recent podcast, um, you know, what does uh, the lion and the cheetah do after it's caught and eaten its prey? It goes to sleep, you know. So I, I eat quite late in the day before I go to bed. The body absorbs and process a, process a lot of the nutrients as we sleep. Uh, and then I wake up. I'm not hungry. Uh, I tend not to eat them for uh, a long period of time. It, I, I may eat at 12 midday. I may eat at 6 in the evening. It may be 8 or 10. Sometimes I don't eat at all. Um, so I do do this intuitively. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. If I'm not hungry, then I don't eat. Um and I, I think it's as simple as that. I think people make uh, make it too difficult. I've noticed some of the comments in the side about how many calories should I consume a day? This is my weight, blah, blah, blah. Ignore the calories. It's not the calories that govern whether we gain or lose weight. It's the endocrine system. And the reason being is that the, the caloric model is highly flawed. It doesn't account for the effect of insulin. It doesn't account for the thermic effect of food, metabolic rate, ketogenesis, and the effect of lectins. Um so, you know, to put that into perspective, I can consume anywhere between four to 6,000 calories on uh, a carnivore lifestyle and maintain weight compared to around two and a half to 2,700 on a high-carb lifestyle and gain fat day on day on day. So it's not the calories. Energy needs to be accounted for. And I use the term energy over calories because not all calories are created equal. Drop the calories. It's not the calories. Eat until you're satisfied. Uh, if, if you know if you're not hungry, then don't eat. It do it intuitively. If you're looking to further lose weight on carnivore, um, then you need to come back to as as Anthony said earlier. You know, look at the dairy products, the high fat, because the body can use dietary fat or stored body fat. So one of the techniques that I use uh, when it came to cutting for competition is I would reduce the amount of dietary fat. So I, I would lean over to slightly leaner cuts. Um, you know, but th- this is to push your body to an extremity, but um, the body's incredibly clever and it's going to fight you uh, every step of the way when you get to a level of homeostasis. When the body feels comfortable, it will let you know. Um, but you can move the needle should you wish to do so for, for, for whatever reason. But um, just eat, eat intuitively. And that, that's, uh, that's the best advice I think that we can give, isn't it? I think your mic is off, Steve. Steve, I think your mic's off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was actually well spotted. Um, my first deliberate mistake of the day. So yeah, uh, I think when you're talking about being intuitive, it, it is it is all about trying to go with the body. I mean, this is one of the things I find difficult when people come to this way of eating and they say, "I'm not digesting the fat. Shall I take some ox bile?" And what what that is actually saying is, I want to exceed my natural production of bile, and and that might get you over the hump temporarily, but long term. It's better to just listen to your body and think, right, okay, if I'm going to eat fatty meat and this plateful, which I've I've seen somebody online demonstrate, you know, and they're eating two pounds, maybe someone like Sean Baker, and you're, you know, you're five foot eight. <laughs> you're not going to eat that amount of meat. You don't need that amount. So be intuitive, but don't um, be suckered into you've got to eat X amount of uh, protein, X amount of fat. <laughs> 
in this ratio at this time. Because as Rich mm. said, actually, when I first met Rich, and by the way, I'm going to give you a plug, Rich, because your YouTube channel, that needs more subscribers because you're an absolute, you know, font of information that uh, is, is amazing. And I was really, really, um, and I admit when I don't understand or know something, and I've never heard somebody actually talking about eating just before going to bed and it being a good for him, a good thing for him. And, th- and this is it. There's no right or wrong way. And I guarantee the three people on the screen now all eat differently, but probably all get about the same results, you know, feel amazing, uh, not craving for stuff. So just try and listen to your body a bit more. Sorry to give a little bit of a, a, a preaching moment there, but um, just listening to Rich, he's full of he's full of great information. And uh, sometimes you can get a really quick answer from him. But if you want a longer answer, <laughs> go to his YouTube channel and it's gold dust. It is absolutely amazing. Right. So um, we did have another question. Just the reason I, uh, I'm trying to be clever here and segue into these questions, you see. So we've got someone here. I've been tracking macros, 70% fat, 24% uh, protein, I'm assuming, 6% carbs. Do I need to change my macros? So I might have preempted the answer there, but what do you think, Dr. Chafee? Well, I think it depends on where all those are coming from. You know, those are some, you know, 6% of carbs from, you know, plants, then yeah, change your macros, get rid of that crap. You know, if it's, if it's glycogen from liver, don't worry about it. Um, If it's uh, lactose from dairy, you know, change your macros, you know, so for, for optimal, right? So this is, this is, you know, when we talk about this, you know, we're talking about the absolute, what we think is the absolute gold standard. This is the best way to do it. It's not the only way to do it. It's not the only way to be healthy and it's certainly relatively uh, healthy as compared to, you know, if you're eating a bunch of, you know, processed foods with seed oils and, and garbage, or even being a whole food vegan uh, or vegetarian, this is going to be much better. Um, you know, even in that spectrum, it's going to get just better and better and better. But so what we talk about we're, we're talking about optimal we're saying hey look this is this is the, the mark to shoot for and you know if you if you don't quite get there if you're just in that ballpark you're still going to get improvements it's not an all or nothing thing um everyone's going to be different you know you're going to you need enough fat you need enough protein you need no carbohydrates whatsoever um your body will make all of those and there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate um so as far as as far as you know 70 30 fat to protein is roughly gram per gram fat and protein right so one gram of fat one gram of protein that roughly shakes out to 70 percent uh calories from fat and that's fine for a lot of people. That's a, that's a mark to shoot for. Um, but again, getting enough fat, enough protein, listening to your taste, that tastes good. Oh, I like a little bit fattier. That tastes better to me now. Well, your body needs a bit more fat. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and that can change, you know, depending on what you're doing, depending on your activity level, depending on how much, you know, excess, you know, body fat that you have on your person and how much, uh, you are exercising, you are going to change the amount of, of food that, and nutrition that you need. Um, um, so you can you can aim for that, aim for gram gram for gram uh, fat and protein, and then adjust. You know, if your body if your body is wanting more fat, give it more fat. I think that you know going by our stools is a really good uh, way of doing that. Something we alluded to earlier for those that were were on at that time. Um, you know, if your body's going to have a limited capacity to absorb fat, and I think that's that's also why you don't want to you know because of the bile that you have. I think that's also a good reason not to uh, take ox bile because your body didn't make a mistake on how much bile that it made. It made, it made a specific amount of bile because it wanted a specific amount 
of fat. And if you're forcing it to absorb a lot more fat, that's going to be too much fat by definition, because it's more fat than your body is asking for it. Right. And so unless you're in this very special situation where something weird is going on, maybe you don't have a, of a, a gallbladder and you're at a big meal and you just want to eat that big meal right then fine, but that's not going to be ideal. Um, but your body's made a specific amount of bile because it wants a specific amount of fat. And so if you're, if you're not eating enough fat, then your body's going to absorb every ounce of that fat. And none of it's going to get over into your stools. You're going to be very constipated. You're going to be very dry, hard, uh, difficult to pass stools. And, um, and, and that's why. So if you eat enough fat and then some, so where there's that spillover, you know, that, that overflow valve from your body not being able to absorb fat, you're going to have softer stools. And so at least then you know you're saturating your body's ability to absorb fat. And you're not getting way overboard uh, because you're not getting diarrhea, right? And so I think that that's what you want to aim for. So if you're, if you're eating, you know, 70, 30, you know, gram for gram fat and protein, and you're finding you're having dry, hard stools, well, you, your body's wanting more fat. You're making a lot more bile than you're bringing in fat. So increase the fat, you know, add, add a bit more fat and get fattier cuts. Um, and, and, uh, and do what you have to do to sort of get that up to the point that you're not, you're not getting dry, hard, rocky, pebbly stools and, uh, and see how you go. Or it could be that you're getting loose stools and you're not drinking coffee. You're not using artificial sweeteners. Those are all laxatives, right? So that'll, that'll off, that'll throw things off. But let's say you're you're getting diarrhea at that. Okay, well maybe your body doesn't want as much fat, and um, and so on. And then you know, and then you know, Richard could probably talk more about this. But if you're you're doing something very specific, like trying to cut uh, down to really low body fat percentage when you're getting ready for a competition, maybe you switch up your macros then too. But um, you know, I think that would be individual as well. But either way, if you're just if you're just a normal person. And you're just trying to optimally feed your body, then you just need to get you can aim for that mark, but then adjust for your own for your own person. You need to get enough fat, you need to get enough protein, and that's going to be different for everybody in their individual state, whether they're gaining, losing, trying to stay the same, or their body wants to stay the same, or or they're working out a lot or exercising a lot or not. So it's going to be different for everyone. That's a mark to shoot for. That's great, and then you have to adjust for your own particular set of circumstances. Rich, love that. Yeah, totally agree. Nothing to add, to be honest. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't track. Uh, I eat as nature intended. Uh, I eat foods, you know, that, that nature provides to me. Nature gives us this perfectly packaged present of combination of protein and fat, uh, and that's how I eat. Everything that we consume in nature contains protein and fat. An egg is almost equal quantities of protein to fat, uh, around six grams of, of protein to five grams of fat. Depending on the size of the egg, obviously, chicken breast with skin on is protein and fat. Steak, depend, you know, every cut of steak is protein and fat. This varies depending on cut. But, um, I, yeah, I eat as nature intended. Uh, and, you know, as Dr. Chafee says, that it is goal dependent. If you're looking to, to lose weight for, you know, a specific reason, then, you know, I gravitate into lowering the dietary fat ever so slightly. But, you know, just remember that fat is essential. Um, you know, we need fat. It's essential for life. We need saturated fats in cholesterol. Cholesterol uh, is imperative for life. It's essential for cell formation, cell communication, nutrient absorption, nutrient transportation, the production of hormones. It's essential for healing. You know, we cannot live without, uh, you know, the, the saturated fats uh, and other fats that we find in, in, in meats. Um, so don't avoid the fat switch. If Unless you have another question you want to jump on, uh, Steve, I'd, I'd like to jump on to some of the fears uh, and run these 
by Anthony really quickly, you know, in regards to beginning a ketogenic or carnivore lifestyle. I mean, some of the fears that, that crop up are, you know, what about the saturated fats, you know, and, and its effect on my cholesterol? Um, you know, what about the, the lack of greens and, and fiber within the diet? And um, should I be consuming these seed oils to help lower my cholesterol level? And what about meat causing cancer? These are all the fears that, that I get um, thrown at me on a daily basis. Now, no, we're all well versed in, in the answers to these. Uh, but I think given you know that we've got, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, number one in the world in, in, in the carnivore space on, um, you know, let's tap into his knowledge. What would your answers be in regards to these these fears? Um, you know, cholesterol, I think, yeah. is the biggest one and within the community. I mean, we know that. You know, it's laughable, but for anybody new, yeah. this is the biggest, the biggest fear, for Main me, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. And you know, it's like, do you, do you want to, you know, you know, take a bunch of seed oils and linoleic acid and you know, all these sorts of things? You know, because seed oils are very high in linoleic acid, so that's what you're getting. But you get the, you know, want to see some unsaturated fat and replace the saturated fats with that to help help your heart. Well, there's a randomized controlled trial, um, you know, with thousands of people where they did just that. They they you know supplanted the saturated fat with um, polyunsaturated fats, and you know, which are predominantly from seed oils, and those are predominantly linoleic like acid and uh, it did indeed lower ldl cholesterol and it did indeed uh kill more people uh more people died of heart attacks and strokes and had had more uh, cardiovascular events in in the treatment group where they they gave them a bunch of unsaturated fat and lowered their ldl so no that's not what you want to do you definitely don't want to do that saturated fat is not and has never been a risk factor for any disease let alone heart disease. The Journal of the American College of Cardiology actually published that position statement in uh, 2020, and they 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 published a large literature review where they looked at all the 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 best available evidence, the randomized controlled trials, the meta analyses, all the highest level, uh, highest tiers of evidence, and they found that there was no association between uh, increased saturated fat intake and heart disease. None did not do it right. And so, um, in fact, they found an inverse relationship between saturated fat consumption and uh, stroke. So if you eat more saturated fat, you have a lower risk of, of getting a stroke. And if you eat less saturated fat, you have a higher risk of getting stroke. Um, there was just a, a recent one off. Ooh, I really wish I, I remembered the author's name. Um just 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 published this thing recently. Anyway, it was it was a it was a, a um, uh, an opinion paper, but you know published in a, in a, in a large in a large paper. Um, I want to say BMJ. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, anyway, so he he was talking about how this is this is basically the the, the new sort of guidelines on on saturated fat and, and what to eat uh, are basically all they are is is to promote. Uh, pharmaceutical sales. That's really all it is. And it is not actually to, to help and benefit health. And he was just saying that this, this is actually ridiculous, you know, that we're, we're vilifying saturated fat and cholesterol. I mean, the, like the jury's out at this point. I mean, it, the decision has come back. This stuff is not a problem. This does not cause harm. And, uh, and you know, now they're saying that 50% of people over the age of 40 should be on a statin. Why? Bet the statin companies are saying that 50% of people should be on a statin. I have no doubt in my mind that they feel very strongly about that. Um, well, I feel very strongly uh, in the opposite direction, that um, you shouldn't need a whole bunch of medications uh, to be healthy. 
you know, in fact, uh, that that is that is antithetical to life on Earth. Life on Earth is is healthy and robust and lean and dominant, and we are the most dominant species that's ever existed. Now we can dominate because we're, we've got a foothold, right? And we have all this technology, and you know, we're not you know we're not going to go anywhere unless we we blow ourselves up. But it took you know some hard yards to get to where we are. Right. So, you know, that's, um, you know, and, and why is that? Was that, is that because we're all just fat, sick and diabetic and dying of cancer and had all this heart disease that, you know, uh, at early ages, because we, we just didn't have the miracle of statins 30,000 years ago. And so just, you know, everyone was just in pieces and just, you know, you know, having, you know, just rotting colons and, and things like that. And just cancer all over, but it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Cancer is a disease of civilization, period. It does not exist in, in the, you know, in the, um, uh, you know, more, more, you know, primitive tribes and things like that, where they don't eat all this crap that we eat. Uh, in fact, uh, Wilhelmer Stefansson, who wrote the fat of the land, lived with the Inuits for 12 years, a professor at Harvard. Um, you know, he actually, uh, wrote many books. One of them was called just that cancer is a disease of, of civilization. I think it's called, and he's just arguing, Hey, this, this doesn't happen. If you just eat real, if you just eat real food, you're not eating this processed crap. You know, you eat a bunch of plants, just eat meat, that, that and meat. You know, that's what you need to eat. And, uh, and, we're, and we're seeing this with Otto Warburg's work, you know, Nobel Prize winner in cancer research. And he just said, hey, this is a mitochondrial disease. This is this is dysfunction of the mitochondria. Professor Thomas Seafried from Boston College has, has followed up his work and added to that work and showed that, yes, indeed, this is exactly what that is. And you can you can improve your mitochondrial function by uh, eating meat and not eating carbohydrates and being on a ketogenic diet. Right. And so. You know, it's um, it, it's literally the opposite of everything they've been telling us. And you know that already. You don't need a study to tell you that. Why? Because we've been getting these stupid guidelines since the night since 1977. They were saying, you know, fat's bad, meat's bad, cholesterol's bad. Stop eating all of that crap. And we reduced that, increased fruits and vegetables, and everyone's gotten fatter and sicker. The more we listen to these assholes, the worse we get. And then you have millions of people around the world that are pulling back and being like, nope, not doing that crap. And they're going carnivore, they're going keto, and uh, and they're getting healthy. And they're all, oh, better not do that. Oh my God, you better watch out. Yeah, I bet. You know, because that's going to that's gonna affect people's bottom lines. And you really don't want to piss people off. You, know, you mess with their money. That's the best way to piss them off. Um, no, it, it's just ridiculous. You know, you get, you improve all your markers, you drop your, you know, your CRP goes down, you're, you're not anemic anymore, your blood markers all improve. Uh, your B12 goes up, your magnesium and zinc go up, your testosterone is going up, your, your growth hormone is going up, um, you know, your, your HbA1c is going down to normal, your fasting insulin is normal. Uh, all these markers are improving. Your, your antibodies for your autoimmune disease have gone away. And they're saying, you better stop that. Oh, that's dangerous. Like, yeah, you're out of your mind. Like, what, what did you just see? You just saw someone improve their health dramatically in ways that, that, Doctors, most doctors will tell you cannot happen. You know, I, I, had, I had people try to try to um, you know threaten to like uh, you know um, you know report me because I was talking, I was showing people studies, peer-reviewed studies in the peer-reviewed you know, literature, randomized controlled trials, interventional trials, um, you know, a whole bunch of different different sorts of studies and trials. 
uh, on different on different diseases. And just like these, these can be dramatically affected. There are thousands of studies on, on ketogenic diets now. It's very, very, very strong, very high level evidence. And, uh, you know, buy fat meat based um, ketogenic diets and people are improving and they're getting better and they're reversing diseases that people say cannot be reversed. And yet we've been reversing them for a hundred years with dietary interventions, namely a carnivore diet. So Dr. Salisbury in the 1800s was curing rheumatoid arthritis, tuberculosis, gout, Crohn's, Lyme disease, reversing these things and fixing people by putting them on a pure red meat and water diet. Because he noticed this long before processed foods were around. He noticed that people that were just eating more plants and grains were getting diseases other people simply weren't, especially like with the Native Americans. In the 1800s, they were the healthiest population on earth. They were also the tallest population on earth, and they were routinely living to be 115, 120 years old, routinely, by their own records. And so people discount that. I don't. And um, and Salisbury didn't either. He found these, these people were healthy as hell. And when you were putting people on their diet, which is just red meat and water, they were just doing buffalo drops and just scaring buffalo over their cliff. And, uh, and they were eating that for the rest of the year. And, um, you know, that people were improving dramatically and people kept doing this. This was, this was, uh, you know, said in different, different circles. It was, it was the first fad diet. People followed this for decades. It was, it was very, very popular for a lot of people. It got a lot of people very, very healthy. Then you have the, you know, the, the, uh, artificial food companies like Kellogg's, one of the first, uh, pushing the seventh day Adventist narrative that plant-based eating is, is more holy because meat causes lustful feelings and lust is a sin. And therefore meat is a sin and you have to stop eating. That is the honest to God origin of Kellogg cereal. They tried to suppress people's hormones and health so that they didn't want to have sex as much. That's insane. That is someone who is crazy and is trying to force his will on other people. And their, their mission statement is still out there. That's what they're still they're putting out this toxic crap in order to make people less healthy so that they don't jack off. Like I swear to God, that is what Dr. Kellogg was all about. Out. And that's why he, you know, he pushed all this stuff and the Seventh-day Adventist per, uh, church, you know, pushed all this stuff as well. And they're still pushing it and they run the nutritional curriculum. They, they have, they have people everywhere on every board, Walter Willett from Harvard. He's like their, the main sort of nutritional researcher there. He's a Seventh-day Adventist vegan. I wonder what kind of studies are, he's going to come out with. Um, but, you know, even then there was a hundred years post Salisbury where there was studies and papers and experiments and books, just dozens of books by dozens of different doctors and researchers, um, you know, Stefanson, uh, Wilhelmer Stefanson, uh, and then, but many others. As, as recently as 1975, there's a book by uh, Dr. Vokland, and he was, a, he was a gastroenterologist, and he wrote a book called The Stone Age Diet. And he basically argued that humans are carnivores. Here's the evidence for that. You know, humans are apex predators. We have been for millions of years. Like that's a fact. And uh, apex predators don't eat a bunch of, they don't graze. They don't eat salads. They just, they eat meat. That's the definition of, of the term, right? Is that apex predator, you eat all the things below you on the, on the food chain, which is everything if you're at the apex, right? And so... You know, he he wrote that and he argued that basically, you know, all the diseases that he treats in gastroenterology don't need to exist if you don't eat plants. Basically, if you just eat meat, you don't eat plants, you don't need him. 
as a profession. You don't need gastroenterology as a profession. You don't need most medical specialties at all. And, you know, and I, I fully agree with that. And I, and I want to get back to that state where people are much more healthy. The cancer thing, that's just garbage. You know, that the WHO in 2015 came out and said that processed meat is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, you know, likely carcinogen or, you know, is, is, is a carcinogen, but low level. And so, oh yeah, so there's a class one carcinogen, but they put a ranking number of relative risk factor next to it. I think it was six. And they say, oh, it's the same category as cigarettes and plutonium. Oh my God. Well, first of all, are cigarettes the same as plutonium, idiot? Then why why are you not seeing that, right? Why are you not seeing that this category is a broad category, right? It has it has a wide range of of what is is um, carcinogenic or not. They're like, oh my God, you know, uh, processed meats is the same as cigarettes and plutonium. Well, that means that cigarettes are the same as plutonium, and no one in their right mind is saying that, right? And so, you know. The, the relative risk factor, you know, next to, to processed meat was six. The relative risk factor next to um, uh, cigarettes, something like 340,000, right? Not the same. And then the, the risk factor next to plutonium is 8.6 million, right? Okay, so this is not the same. These are not the same things. Anyone who suggests they are, are it is a, a fraud and is someone who's trying to sell you something and convince you something is ideologically driven. Um, and also what are, what are processed meats processed with? It's not other meat. It's plants, it's sugar, it's seed oils, it's, you know, artificial ingredients and all that sort of garbage, you know? So that's not the meat's fault. There's nothing inherent in meat. That's a problem. And even the WHO said, well, red meat is a probable carcinogen name one thing in meat that has ever been shown to even you know to, to increase risk of of cancer and there's all these 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 theoreticals it's just like no you have not proved anything um and so you know the the you know and, and the, the main thing with that is is that that panel that was a panel decision that wasn't like oh, all the best scientists in the world this was a bureaucratic decision um and, uh, and these administrators that uh, the WHO just decided this. Um, there were other people on that panel and there were other people that completely disagreed with that decision to classify these things in that manner. And they said that this, this was, this was fraud, that this was bullshit. Um, one of them, I can't, I can't remember the man's name, but he said that this was, it was the most painful thing he's ever had to experience in his professional career because he saw people, um, you know, purposefully throw out very high level pieces of evidence. So there's this hierarchy of evidence, right? So there's a meta, you know, uh, you know, randomized control trial and then meta-analyses of randomized control trial. You can have meta-analyses of epidemiological garbage and that's garbage in, garbage out. So that's not useful. But randomized control trial trials, like well-designed randomized control trials with a lot of large populations and then meta-analyses of those, that's, that's the highest level. So they had these things and they had high-level evidence and they threw those out. Because they said that, yeah, no, there's absolutely no relationship between, you know, meat consumption and and uh, cancer risk. Just absolutely none. And so they threw those out because they went against their narrative. And they kept in studies that um, they kept in studies that were very weak, very poor epidemiological studies that were absolutely garbage, horribly, horribly done and designed. You know, the things that they, they said that um, uh, they said, oh, when you eat less meat, and you eat more fruits and vegetables uh, that, you know, cancer rate goes down and not even that much. 
you know, I mean, like a very, very, very small fractional reduction in risk. And uh, to the point that it's just like, it's not, it's not statistically significant when you're talking about epidemiological studies that have so many confounding factors. One of those confounding factors, which was actually intentional, was that they lumped in processed foods with meat because sometimes there are, there's meat in the ingredients of processed food. Therefore, because pizza has, sometimes has uh, toppings that are meat, therefore pizza is meat. And so you reduce the amount of pizza you eat, you're reducing the of meat you eat. Oh, when you reduce meat, people get better. Oh, no wonder. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do. And then, you know, fast food, like, you know, going to McDonald's, you know, how often you go and get a, you know, a, a quarter pounder meal or whatever, you know, and then you have to, first of all, remember that this is like a survey of the last year of eating. I mean, who in, in any way is going to be able to answer that accurately, right? Me, I steak, that's everyday steak, right? But you know, the, the, the McDonald's thing is like, they're saying, well, that counts as meat because of the burger. And that's what people say. They're like, Oh my God, you're eating that fast food with all that meat and fat in it. I'm like, no dude, like that's the, that's only like 10% of the meal, you know, and certainly like 10% of the calories, maybe even less because you're, you're getting all the, you know, the buns and the sugary sauces, all the different, you know, plants and vegetables and tomatoes that are on there. Uh, but then you're getting, you know, potatoes deep fried and it used to be trans fats, you know, now it's seed oils, which is, you know, nearly as bad. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, a giant drink with a bunch of sugar or a bunch of noxious chemicals that kind of taste sweet, but really just tastes like noxious chemicals. And, uh, what the hell is that doing for you? That's going to be awful. And you're calling that meat. So, I mean, that's a fraud. You know, these people are frauds. I mean, they should be, they should lose all licenses that, that have been provided to them. They should be sued into extinction and they should go to jail, you know, because they're absolute criminals. They're they're purposefully doing this and it is affecting hundreds of millions and billions of people's lives. This is absolute bullshit. And, um, you know, especially the WHO. So, you know, the, the people that dissented have reported this and be like, this is what happened. This is bullshit. And, uh, and they said, because the guys who were, were pushing for this, the guys and, and, you know, ladies and gentlemen who were doing this fraud and perpetrating this fraud on the world, um, Guess what? Vegans, vegetarians, and Seventh-day Adventists, all of them, right? Or a majority of them, or at least people that had serious industry ties as well, because, you know, Kellogg's pays for a lot of research. Coca-Cola pays for 11 times the amount of uh, research on nutrition than the NIH does. And Nestle and, and Pepsi and Kellogg's and the Seventh-day Adventists and Sanitarium here in Australia, which are owned by the Seventh-day Adventists, they get tax-exempt status because they're owned by the Seventh-day Adventists. It's a church sort of organization. Um, you know, they all they all pump out billions of dollars in research money, in nutrition to push their product. They're absolute poison on people. It's like if, you know, Esco, you know, Pablo Escobar was allowed to put out, you know, research on how great cocaine is, you know, like he do it, you know, and Coca-Cola is doing it right. Um, and so that was a fraud. The University of Washington in Seattle um, last year published a massive study looking at all the literature available literature, looked at hundreds of studies, um, you know, talking about how meat is bad and, and meat causes cancer or the extremely low increased risk of, of uh, colorectal cancer. Um, and uh, they found it and they, they, you know, said that these were extremely weak 
lazy studies, very poor science, very poorly designed, extremely bad studies, and that there is actually no evidence that meat and especially unprocessed red meat has confers any risk of cancer or any other disease. So this is this is a fraud. And, uh, and I, I think that people should start there. They should just start by investigating the fraud. They should investigate um, and look at the fact um, that uh, that this is an absolute con and, and crime against humanity. You can go to uh, YouTube. You can find a lot of people that talk about this. I think some of the best uh, reporting on this is by a lady named Belinda Fetke, who's from Tasmania, who's married to Gary Fetke, who's, you know, who's a great guy and, and you know, done a lot of talks in low-carb space, got into a lot of trouble because he was suggesting that his patients were actually helping his patients get better by suggesting low-carb, and the, and the dietitians said, like, you're not allowed to do that, and they, they tried to get his license taken away and thankfully they weren't able to but um you know this is this is how crazy this is you know you try to as a doctor you try to help your patients and you try to get them better um and uh, by doing by doing things that go against uh the purse strings and and they and they try to crucify you for it you know and that's because you know these people are in control and so we need we as the people you know, as the base need to understand this and to just be like, absolutely not because they only have good. They only, they only profit if we buy their crap, right? They make no money if we do not give them money. So we need to make sure people know that they should not give them any money and, uh, and get them to actually do something that benefits people as opposed to, you know, trying to knock them down. So people should go to YouTube and look up Belinda Fetke and look up her talks on uh, nutrition. I think it's called nutrition, uh, nutritional science. How did we get here? Um, and she has a, a number of talks on there. Watch all of them. You know, they all, all give a bit of different information, but um you know, they, that it's, it's very interesting. And you, you look in there and you go like, Oh my God, this is, this is corrupt to the teeth. And it has been for 150 years. And, um, you know, you, then you, you will never look at nutrition again, uh, the same way. You'll never look at nutritional sciences the same way. You will never look at these studies the same way because the majority of them are put out by the, by the sugar companies and the food companies, the majority, the vast majority. And the other ones are pretty suspect too, because they're probably funded by them or the people involved with them have industry ties and have been paid off or on boards here and there, um, you know, at, at different times. So, you know, it is, it is, it, intensely corrupt and um and you you just have to understand the facts and this is why people say well you should never uh well you know the problem is is that doctors aren't taught nutrition in medical school thank god they're not taught nutrition in medical school because it's going to be coming from the same people the seventh-day adventist church sets the curriculum they wrote the first textbook on uh, university nutrition in 1925 it's 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 still in print in its current edition it's still being taught sally uh sally norton that was her textbook at cornell university when she was getting her her, her undergrad master's in nutrition from cornell right so this is it is still corrupt it's still completely controlled these are the puppet masters they are the man behind the curtain they are in charge and they're not telling you about it so they're not on the forefront like we are talking about this they are 19 steps removed they're pulling all the strings you know kellogg's is one of the largest uh companies in the world it's one of those you you see the pie charts of those companies that own everything like coca-cola pepsi nestle 
Kellogg's is one of them. And they are in, insanely wealthy and extremely entrenched in every institution. They have people everywhere. And so does the, the Seventh-day Adventist church who work hand in hand with Kellogg's and Coca-Cola and Nestle and all the rest as well. So understanding that and understanding just how corrupt the system is, um, is, is armor. It's, it's armor against the assault. And I, I encourage everyone to, to do that and look into that. That's a, that's a great answer. Can I try a screen share for people that are a little bit, um, maybe on the, on the fence. Is that all right with you, Anthony? Just I want to show you some. Yeah. Quick. Cool. Right. Here we go. So here is something, um, Here's a study. Let's add it to the stream. Okay, right. There's the study. And I was reading this the other day. Mm. And if you've ever seen studies like this, you can go down to the list of authors. Okay. And you see this high details. It was hidden naturally from people. <laughs> Okay, so I, I had to click to see the affiliation. There you go. Oh, yeah. Now, that study, without clicking on that, is quite convincing for people. And I've actually seen this quoted quite a few times when we talk about skipping breakfast. I'm not recommending skipping breakfast. I'm just saying this is what it was talking about. And this study's conclusion was... Well, you know, you could put in the comments, what do you reckon if it's funded by Kellogg's? What do you think the thing was for a recommendation uh, when it came to breakfast? Well, obviously, it was don't skip breakfast, have cereal. Mm, eat some, some cornflakes. Yeah. So, and it really is as blunt as that. Um, well, but that, well, that's where they came from, too. Kellogg, Dr. Kellogg came up with that, that, that idea back in well, the late 1800s. He said... Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You have to start off strong and eat Kellogg's cornflakes. That's the most important thing, most important way to start the day. That's where that came from. People often didn't eat breakfast back then. They, they were like us. You know, they, they ate actual nutrition, and they, they would eat later in the day. They'd wake up. They'd get going. Now, like, oh, no, 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 breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Oh, you got to eat it. But you got to eat my thing, you know, and uh, it's absolute, absolute garbage. Yeah, I agree. While we're on the sharing uh, side, Stephen, can I, can I share this end? This is, I believe, one of the studies that you were mentioning about the cholesterol. So this is the study on the BMJ that covers 68,000 participants. Uh, and this yeah. was to investigate the relationship between high LDL and all-cause mortality. And as Dr. Chafee says, the results showed an inverse association representing 92% of the participants. In other words, the lower your LDL, the higher your risk of death. This is a study on the BMJ. This is a massive study. Uh, this is no coincidence. Uh, mm -hmm. Cholesterol is, is essential. And, and I just really quickly share something else, which is this is one of the presentations that uh, is available on uh, on my uh, YouTube channel. But this is a statement uh, which was released in 2015 by the Dietary uh, Advisory uh, Guidelines Committee uh, in association with the American Heart Association. And they deemed on their website in 2015 that cholesterol is not a nutrient of concern for overconsumption. So the people that have been telling us for the last... 50 years, the cholesterol is detrimental to our health. I've, I've released this on their website. It's, it's, it's difficult to find, but it is on there. So this is from the horse's mouth that um, cholesterol is not a nutrient of concern for overconsumption. Uh, and cracking presentation, this goes on for uh, pages and pages. I think this is condensed into a 15 minutes about how important um, uh, cholesterol is uh, for life. But 
Uh, but yeah, there it is. There's, there's two pieces of evidence there. Uh, and quickly coming back to another point that uh, Dr. Chafee mentioned in regards to statins. Um, statins lower cholesterol by blocking something called the mevalonate pathway. The mevalonate pathway uh, is, is partly used for the production of DNA. Um, so when you were taking statins, you were preventing your body from producing DNA, which is never a good thing. So statins, uh, obviously, I can't give medical advice, uh, but in my opinion, we should not be consuming something that's preventing the body from creating DNA. Um, yeah, and a few other points that I wanted to touch base on there as well. Uh, I mean, we touched base on on the cancer side. You know, I, I I had a message. I don't know if, if if she's listening today, but a fellow PHC ambassador who is vegetarian, um, uh, and they are looking at basically, uh, you know, the effect of food on mental health. Uh, she's a vegetarian. <laughs> Um, which, you know, as she states, goes against, against all of the vice of the PHC, which, uh, you know, which we are ambassadors for. Um, but she says there lot, there's lots of evidence which show that um, a no meat diet for cancer, uh, as it's acidic, uh, as in meat is acidic, is, is a good protocol for cancer and for uh, anxiety and depression. Um, but I'll just put my two pens in and then, you know, I'll let um, Dr. Chafee jump on board with that. But in, in regards to anxiety and depression, again, this comes back to the catecholaminergic neurotransmitters. Um, you know, we need uh, certain uh, cofactors like iron, vitamin B12, zinc, uh, magnesium, amongst others. And when we consume vegetables, we block a lot of these cofactors, which prevents the body from creating these neurotransmitters, which leads to things like anxiety and depression, which is why... I used to suffer severely, I believe, with anxiety and depression. Now that I'm plant-free, my depression and anxiety uh, have completely gone away. Um, now, I did, as I say, in the early days of being keto, I was consuming lots of vegetables. Um, you know, I was following the Dr. Berg protocol. Um, you know, I was consuming stupid amounts of, of vegetables per day. Um, I still suffered. Yes, I was healthier, but I still suffered with anxiety and depression. It's only since I removed them completely. So we need to look at the neurotransmitter synthesis, the catecholaminergic neurotransmitter synthesis, uh, and regards to the nutrients that we consume that are blocking the absorption of cofactors, allowing us to process these neurotransmitters. So I don't believe that you know, being, and I'm not against the vegan or vegetarian. I work with vegans and vegetarians. I respect anybody's dietary choices, uh, but I do believe that they are misinformed. I think that the information that is out there uh, is, is misinformed. Um, and I don't believe that consuming vegetables is the best way. Being a vegetarian lacks vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is essential for methylation. Um, it's essential for, you know, the catecholaminergic neurotransmitter synthesis. Uh, and all of these things will lead to depression and anxiety. And then in regards to cancers you know as dr chafee has stated many times you know plants are trying to kill us um plants contain known carcinogens every plant you know in the supermarket uh, contains uh, stupid amounts of uh, of cancer causing chemicals um I've worked success successfully with two cancer patients uh, on a carnivore-based diet. Uh, all cancer cells are fueled by glucose uh, and glutamine, uh, but glucose predominantly. Cancer cells are metabolically inflexible. They cannot be fueled by ketones. Uh, to me, it doesn't make sense to consume vegetables to combat cancer. One, because of the glucose content, the carbohydrate. Uh, two, because of the other 
uh, copious amounts of, of known carcinogens within these plants. Um, now, there is an argument, you know, when we look at things like sulfropane, Dr. Chief, and I you know, covered this in an earlier podcast, that um, broccoli contains sulfropane, which is used in the treatment for cancers. Um, so broccoli sprouts, uh, you know, are used successfully in the treatment. Um, but I do believe that this is a conjunction with being ketogenic, um, and, and I believe that it's, it's, it's predominantly being ketogenic over the consumption of, you know, this, this sulfropane that's, uh, that's leading to that. But sulfropane uh, is going to cause uh, cancer, I, I believe, in, in a situation in, in high quantities if we do not have cancer. Why would you take a chemotherapy pill if you do not have cancer? Uh, but the, these are some of the questions that um, I won't mention the person's name, but I don't know if she's listening. I, I have passed her a link, but basically, you know, long story short, um, you know, she's a big believer in in um, the vegan and vegetarian movement in in regards to helping fight um, anxiety, depression, and and cancer. Um, you know, as I just explained, I think it's the opposite. Uh, what's what's your opinion, Doctor Chafee? Yeah, well, I think everything is is always compared to what, right? So, you know, if you're if you're comparing uh, someone eating a you know a processed food diet with a bunch of processed carbs and sugar and seed oils, all from plants, by the way, uh, and going to a more whole food uh, plant based approach, you know that that can confer benefits, right? But is it because you're dropping meat, or is it because you're dropping the the rampant amount of omega sixes, seed oils? Um, uh, you know, processed sugars and carbs, you know, like you're, you're changing more than one variable there. Um, you know, so if you're a pain like that, that stuff is absolutely toxic and people say, Oh, well, there's all these benefits of it. Well, maybe in certain circumstances at certain doses, but you know, a, you're, you're not necessarily just getting that in, you know, with the broccoli or whatever, you're getting all this other stuff with it as well. You know, what are those things doing for you? Are they all positive for you as well? Um, you know, e- eating a certain amount of broccoli, does that help or whatever? Again, you know, what comparing uh, to what, you know, what, you know, what, where were you coming from before that now you're, you're eating more broccoli, you're more self-conscious, you're not smoking, you're not drinking, you're not staying out late, you're exercising, you're more health focused, there's a healthy user bias as well. Um, so there's a lot of different things that go in there, um, you know, and so, you know, if you're if you are going away from alcohol and drugs and, um, you know, uh, and, and eating more clean and just being more health conscious, that's going to help your mental health significantly. Um, but, you know, we also see people with you know, clinically proven with going on a ketogenic diet, help their mental mental health, even even curing schizophrenia. Right. That's that's not because they're they're eating more vegetables. It's because they're eating less carbs and eating less uh, sugar and alcohol and things like that. Um, and uh, and in fact, I've seen people improve even better when they get rid of all the plants as, as well. There's some sort of um, you know factor that is going to be in these plants that that are going to act as a you know, a neurotoxin, just like the caffeine will, uh, whether or not they have carbohydrates, you know, they're not going to be good uh, for your brain. And, um, you know, and, and people have serious problems. Jordan Peterson was one of these. He went keto, just eating, you know, steaks and salads and it cured a lot of his issues, but he still had the depression and anxiety. Then he dropped the salads and in three weeks, his, his depression and anxiety were gone. I've seen that happen a number of times. And so, you know, you can have people, well, wow, this person goes plant-based and they improve. Great. From where, from what starting point to where they are now, you know, you have to look at all the different factors that, that are in there. And then also, you know, you have to, you have to say, okay, so that, that improves from there, but then why are people improving when they only eat meat? 
right? You're saying you're eating less meat and you get better. I'm saying you only eat meat and you get way better. And in fact, mine is clinically proven at Harvard, right? Where's yours? Where are your studies? Where are your randomized controlled trials with human subjects? They don't exist. And so people are saying that like, wow, this helps people going to a vegetarian diet. What? And I, that's something I get all the time. It's just like, well, if, if uh, plants are so bad for you, why is it that so many people are, are, are curing their cancer and curing their diseases by going vegan or vegetarian? Well, first of all, are they? Is that clinically proven? Have there, have there actually been randomized controlled trials or at least interventional trials where they, they've changed that one variable and actually had better outcomes? Or are these you know, people, individuals that have had a good outcome, but are also doing standard care, getting chemo and radiation, and they went vegetarian at the same time? Well, which one did it? Was it going vegetarian or was it the chemo and the radiation? You know, chemo and radiation actually do work for people. You know, depending on the cancer, it can be it can work extremely well. There, there are some cancers that we can absolutely cure with chemo and radiation and surgery and a combination of all three. So, you know, it may have nothing to do with what you did. Maybe it actually would have been better if you hadn't done that. But again, where did you come from? Were you eating a whole bunch of processed garbage? Every time I talk to people and they say, well, I actually improved. I went, I went uh, vegetarian, I went plant-based, I went vegan, and I, I just got so much better. My health got so much better. And I said, okay, was the only thing you changed uh, that you stopped eating meat? Oh, yeah. As soon as I, I went vegan, I got better. No, no, no. So that's in the name. So they think vegan, no meat. I got better when I went vegan, when I said I'm a vegan, right? But what did you actually do? When you went vegan, I say, okay, so, so you still eat cake and, and, uh, drink alcohol and, um, you know, smoke cigarettes and drink sodas and do all these sorts of, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't do any of that. I don't eat out anymore. I don't go to restaurants. I eat all at home. It's all whole foods, no processed carbs. I cut out sugar. I don't drink sodas. I stopped drinking alcohol. I don't smoke anymore. It's like, okay, okay. So you, you've changed on 9,000 things in your life, all of which, we're, we're plant-based, you know, except like, so you, you threw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay. You get improvements. I'm really glad to hear that. You've made very positive moves in your life, you know, but I think that getting rid of meat was not one of those positive moves because I see people and I have people uh, who are my patients that I, that I track their bloods, I track their numbers and they clinically and objectively improve and reverse very serious diseases by going on an only meat diet. So where, you know, where's the, where's the common ground? The common ground is that you're eliminating a lot of bad things, you know? And, um, you know, if you're eating plants, stuff like that, you're not going to be as good as if you're only eating meat, but you are going to improve from the processed food diet, but you know, Oreo cookies are vegan. So, so is heroin. Right. So, you know, is that going to is that going to help people going on an Oreo cookie and, and uh, heroin diet? Is that is that you know, is your plant based friend going to recommend that diet? Well, it's plant based. There's no meat. And the only bad thing on earth is meat. So therefore, uh, Oreo cookies and heroin should be great. They're plant based. They're vegan. Right. So, no, obviously, that's insane. There are a lot of bad things in this world. Right. And uh, the majority of them come from plants. Right. Because that's plants make them. They make them on purpose to stop you from eating them. And so, you know, the the idea that you can only, you know, because someone has gotten better on a vegetarian diet, therefore, vegetarianism is good. I mean, that's that's you know, uh, fallacious, uh, 
at the start, but uh, it's also not paying attention, you know, because there are other people that are improving just as much, if not more, in fact, more uh, when they're just eating meat, when they're doing the exact opposite, you know? So that's what people don't understand is that it's, it's the processed foods that, that, that they're getting rid of, that that's making the, the marked improvement. And those processed foods are plants. Those are plant-based processed foods, you know, and that's what's causing harm. This, this food that is not food. And I would argue mm-hmm. that plants are not food for our species because food is very species specific and animals in the wild eat very specific things. But you cannot say that these processed foods are food because they didn't even exist a hundred years ago. Some of them didn't even exist yesterday, you know? So it's, uh, you, you cannot call this stuff food. This stuff is not food. It is just highly processed garbage that can provide some nutrition, some nutrients, but that does not make it food. You can get nutrients like, you know, that, that you need, you know, like minerals and, and, uh, you know, like iron and zinc and copper and magnesium, uh, from eating dirt, right. That doesn't make us dirtivores, right. You can get calories, which you have to have, you know, from, from drinking Coca-Cola. So, so is eating dirt, drinking Coke and taking a multivitamin. Is that, is that just good enough? You know, is that, is that food? You know, I mean, like, honestly, that would be better than some of the crap people are eating now, you know? And so, you know, it, it's a bit, it's a bit, and it's all vegan, you know, dirt and Coca-Cola diet. That's vegan, right? So it must be good for you. So obviously that's, that's not the case. It's a bit, it's a bit silly, but it, it's a bit of a silly argument that you just stop eating meat and, and your life improves so much. Okay. Well, what the hell does that mean? That could mean anything, you know, like a, like a vegan diet just means lack of meat. What, what, what is the positive? You're talking about the negative is, is it's defined by its negative, which is not eating meat, but what's the positive? What the, what the hell are you supposed to eat? You know, because you can eat fast food all day and be vegan, right? Good luck with that. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.